click. Alright. Cool, 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 cool. Been watching a lot of community lately. It's been fun. Um, it is a show, yeah. Uh, I apologize for not being as welcoming or as invested tonight as I typically am. I uh, worked outside all day, so I'm very tired. Uh, and I'm still recovering from a couple other things. So, you know, just so you guys know where I'm at. Um, tonight, though, uh, we're going to be talking about something really important. And all of the teachings that we've had thus far have kind of led up to this series that we're about to jump into um, that, to be completely honest could last for several months um, because there's so many different topics and sub subtopics that go into what makes up this idea of community and what the community of God is and what it looks like um, and how we grow together, how we relate to each other, how we love each other. Um, there's just a lot that goes into it. And so tonight, I'm going to give you uh, an intro into what we're going to be getting into. Uh, you could also look at it as, you know, reasons why you need community. Because that's honestly the picture that I'm trying to paint for you guys is why, um, you know, unlike other churches, why we spend so much time fellowshipping before and after we worship and we do a teaching why um, we've been so invested in promoting the guys Bible study Brobel on Monday nights or, you know, the, the female fellowships that have been going on. Uh, there's a reason for all of that and it's very important. So um, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into things and just see where the Holy Spirit takes us tonight. So, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for everybody who's here tonight. I thank you for new faces. I thank you for familiar faces. Um, I thank you. Thank you. I thank you that everybody's got a young face. So that's really nice. Um, but I also thank you uh, for the older generations that might come in here at some point. Hopefully, one day when they realize that they don't need sleep as much as they think they do. Um, not you, Nina. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm talking about Mr. and Mrs. Barton, in case they listen to this later. Um, oh. Oh. No, oh. No, oh. I just like them a lot, and they keep saying they're going to come, and I just want them to come, okay? It's not, a, it's not an accusation. I just miss them. I like them a lot. So I'm going to get back to praying now. I thank you. <laughs> and I rebuke Cameron. Um, but I... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I thank you for this this issue of uh, not issue this this subject of community and what we're about to get into tonight and everything your word says about community. Um, I just thank you and we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Uh, let's go to John seventeen. Um. Matt, I got some twists and turns in this for you later, man. Okay. <laughs> um, if you have your Bible, yeah, go there because to the Bible, just the whole thing. The whole thing. 
Um, so, John 17, we're going to start in verse 20. Uh, context for this verse. Jesus is in the garden. He is about to be captured by the guards. Um, and he's praying. He's praying to God. Um, this, this prayer is typically called the high priest prayer. And it's really good. There's a lot of meat just in this whole chapter. And honestly, the chapter before it, uh, chapter 16, he says a lot in that as well. Um, but there are some things I feel like we miss in this chapter. Starting in verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that, they, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have also given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and loved me, as and love them as you have loved me. Um, Jesus goes out of his way to ask the Father to make his disciples a community. To bring them together as one group um, and to unify them. I think it's really interesting that he doesn't talk about asking God to unify them in doctrine. Um, He doesn't ask God to unify them in uh, (laughs) what their interests may be or um, what their personalities may be like. He just asks God to unify them, period. And I think there's there's a lot to unpack in that. Um, because I, I think in America, in the society that we live in, we've made the church a corporation. And the church was never supposed to be a corporation. It was always supposed to be a family. Yeah. Um, when we first started uh, this house church, after we kind of laid out the foundation of what we were aiming for for this year, the first thing we jumped into was the love of Father God and how much He loves us and how much we need to have a relationship with Him. And over um, emphasizing Jesus and the blessings that come with Him has made the church a corporation. Jesus never emphasized Himself, He always emphasized His Father. Mm-hmm. And he calls us brothers and sisters and asks the Father to make us one. And I think that there's something to that. When you study scripture, you'll see that God puts the lonely in a family over and over and over again. Uh, In families, we find an expression of God and a strength that we can't find anywhere else. God's God's plan is that you would find a family so that you would find your strength and your purpose. And when you got saved, you were brought into a family. Um, 
God is our Father, and we are brothers and sisters, and we've been called to live life together. So the goal for us as a family, an identity house, is to find more family members to bring in, obviously, because we, we love people and, you know. Um, but also that as, as we would come together and as more people would come in, they would feel so welcomed by our environment and what we're doing and how we treat each other and how we treat them that they would find a sense of oneness here. Uh, a sense of community and family that brings them closer to God. Um, when you study scripture, God never... A lot of times we find lone wolves in this culture um, that we live in that say, as long as it's just me and Jesus, I have everything. But when you study scripture, it's never just about one person and Jesus. It's always about how each person throughout the Bible is making an impact on the community of God for God. There has never been a story in the Bible where God has said, Hey, you, it's just you and me. Let's go out into the wilderness and have some fun and never go back into community ever again. <clears throat> when God pulls someone aside and says, Here's your mission, it's always a mission back into the community of God, into the family of God, so that wrongs can be righted, repentance can be had, and the family can come closer again. So that they can become one again. <clears throat> and... The more we distance ourselves from family, the more we open ourselves up to what the enemy would like to deceive us in. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Um, But before we get into that, we really need to emphasize that community, uh, family, it's it's not the latest buzzword, it's not a fad, and it's not a strategy for church growth. Dude, we could stay this size forever, I don't care. Like, this is fine. That way we don't ever have to look for a new church building. As long as we are (laughs) sticking together and growing together and making an impact on every environment that we come across, whether it's our work environments, um, whether it's our families, uh, whatever it is, as long as we're making an impact in those areas for the kingdom of God, that's, that's what I care about. I care about what God cares about is building you guys up so that you're strong enough to give back wherever you are and not just take. Um, this is a big deal to God. God causes children to live life together, and it's a big deal to Him. When you study out the life of Jesus in all four of the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus spent every day for three years with his original 12 disciples. Mm. Did he break away from them and go have fellowship with the Father by himself? Did he find his secret place? Yes, he did. There are multiple scriptures telling us how he pulled away from the crowds and he even pulled away from his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John. But he always came back to community. He always came back to his people. Um, Let's go to Acts 2. Oh, I 
this. Who wants to read for me? <coughs> I do. Is that Matt? Yeah. All right, Matt, read uh, Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And who else wants to read? I'll do it. All right, Elijah, go to Acts 4, verses 31 through 32. All right, Matt, you ready? Yes. Lay it on me. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Uh, Verse 46, where it says, simplicity of heart. I like the King James, and the King James Version says, singleness of heart. Mm. They were all together. They were one. Uh, Elijah, go for it. So then it says, And after they, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Um... No. Uh, <laughs> unity works best through diversity. Mm. Um, they had all things in common, not because they all liked the same things all the time, or that they believed the same things all the time but because they took the time to intimately know each other and invest in each other's interests and callings. Having all things in common doesn't mean that we see eye to eye on everything. It means that we come together, we let bygones be bygones, and we have fellowship. We break bread. It means that we take the time to have simple conversations with each other and find out, hey man, where are you at in life right now? What do you like to do? What do you like to eat? Can we go get some food together? How about we do one day where we go do the things that you like to do and then one day where we go do the things that I like to do, but the end all be all is that we have fellowship with each other and we just get to love on God and love on each other. Having all things in common doesn't mean that you like all of the same interests And it doesn't mean that you necessarily feel a connection with someone right off the bat. In fact, very rarely in relationships does that ever happen. Intimacy grows through vulnerability, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Connections grow through vulnerability, not the other way around. If you really want to be connected to someone and and to feel like, You can have a real friendship with them. Take time. Mm. Very rarely do relationships happen instantaneously. Very rarely. Um, You know, (laughs) Matt and I were friends for four or five years before we actually started getting really close and taking an interest in what each other really likes to do. 
Um, and we're still finding out new things about each other, you know. But I, I think I talked to him um, four or five times a week, I think, on average. Mm-hmm. Um, and when our relationship first started, it's not like we hated each other at all, by any means. Um, but we just didn't know each other. And it took four years. Mm-hmm. For us to finally start to get to know each other. And I think that that says a lot. Because to be completely honest. I don't know if Matt feels the same way. But Matt's one of my closest friends. Like I would go to Matt for anything. I know that I could count on him. But it took four or five years to get to that point. Um, And if there's one thing that I can encourage you guys with. As we go through the rest of this is. If you're looking to have all things in common with the people sitting around you, don't expect it to come instantaneously. Take the time to invest in people and in relationships. Go out of your way to text someone, to call someone, and get to know them. Share testimonies with them. Talk about what God's doing in your life, and then ask them what God's doing in theirs. And really take the time to listen. Not in order to say something, not in order to get your point across, um, not even in order to tell a story, like to find the right story to say or the right advice to give, but in order to just really listen and hear their heart so that you can have singleness of heart with them, so you can know them. Um, this This whole idea of community and family is such a big deal to God. Uh... And I'm going to show you something that's really cool because we all love to worship. Every week worship is hot fire and it's great. Um, So good, right? Holy Spirit's always here. Let's go to Matthew 5, verses 23 through 24. Another verse section that we can get into is in Matthew 18 where it talks about the unforgiving servant. And it talks about um, how to approach your brother in love to like correct them. We're not going to get into that tonight um, because I feel, one, we're going to be talking about unforgiveness and bitterness over the next couple weeks. So we'll have time to look at that later. Um, But this little section of verses, I I just want to point out... um, Real quick, because I think that they're a big deal when it comes to the gift of worship that we give to God every week, right? Uh, It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, the altar is, you know, the throne room is where you worship, right? Um, And there remember that your brother has anything against you. Leave there your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. I, I think it's really interesting that family is such a big deal to God that he doesn't stop with, if you're sitting in bitterness, forgive the other person. God is saying here that if you find that your brother is bitter and unforgiving against you, go talk to them before you even offer a gift to me. He's asking you to make your way to your brother um, or your sister, like it says in Galatians 6 verse 1, um, 
if you see that your brother is trapped in a fault or a sin, uh, with a spirit of gentleness, go and restore them. And that means even if your brother has something against you. Uh, community is such a big deal to God that if your relationship with your brother is broken, God doesn't want your gift. He tells you to drop it, right? He wants your relationship fixed before you come to him. If we go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20... It says, If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, then he is a liar. Mm -hmm. For he that loves not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? What was the verse that I 1 John 4.20 You can't love your brother, and you can't hate your brother and love God. How often, I'm going to pose a question to you guys to think about. Um, I know that some of this is kind of uncomfortable and it's kind of deep, but we got to work through a bunch of it before we get to the benefits. Um, I just, uh, my heart like burns for this. Um, it's one of the reasons why Kate and I opened up our house for people to come live with us. Like community is such a huge deal and you get so much growth out of it. How often do we get distracted during worship because the enemy takes our minds to people and situations that we hate? How often does bitterness distract us from thankfulness? You cannot hate your brother and love God at the same time. You can't do it. Scripturally speaking, you cannot do it. We just read it. If you have something against your brother or your brother has something against you, forgive them. Go to them and be reconciled, and then come back. Then come back to God. <clears throat> because if what the enemy is doing in between you and your brother distracts you enough to take away your ability to be thankful, then you can't enter into his gates and worship anyway. The Bible says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and then his courts with praise. Right, And he resides on the praises of his people. So unless you can get to that point to where you're able to be thankful and then praise him without all this stuff in the way, his spirit's not going to come and sit the way that he does every week. I know this from experience. <laughs> I promise. Here's the thing. People are messy. We, we just are. I... Love the fact that we are getting cleaned up every day, that we are getting sanctified more and more every day. I love that. Okay, and I'm not saying that we need to be introspective or even be calling out the worst in our brothers and sisters. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that things get messy. Things We get into sticky situations with our brothers and sisters, oftentimes in ways that we don't even know how to handle. Okay? <laughs> and yet... Dad is still calling us to interact with those people on a daily basis. And the way that people know that we're a family is the way that we love each other. In John 13, 35, let's go there real quick. 
John 13, verse 35. It says, By this all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. The world knows that we're God's disciples not by the love that we have for heathens, the love that we have for the unsaved, the love that we have for those who are Islamic or Buddhist or Hindu. You can name any other religion, atheist, agnostic, agnostic. said it right that time. So close. Um, But by the love that we have for each other, the love that we have for each other as a family of God has to come first. That means that, (laughs) well, I won't get into that. (laughs) But the love that we have for each other has to come first because it's through that love that non-believers come to know God and feel welcomed into the family of God. Why would they want to come into a family that's constantly backbiting and gossiping about each other? They wouldn't want to do it. We wonder why not more people in America are getting saved. And, you know, honestly, it's because of how the church is deteriorating. Because not enough emphasis is put on community and loving each other. And people just won't deal with their junk. And if you guys decide to stick around after this message, and during the rest of this message, where I talk about things that are a little bit harder, (laughs) you will soon find out that we don't have a problem addressing junk. And if you choose to leave because you don't want to address your junk or you feel offended of what we said, that's okay. I'm not going to get offended. None of the teachings that we throw out there are directly pinpointed at any person ever. Okay, Mm -hmm. We analyze and pray about where the group is at. We ask God what we need to teach about. (coughs) Then we teach it. Having said that, if the shoe fits, (laughs) or ignore that, if the shoe fits, it's your choice on whether or not you put it on. You can either continue to put it on, or you can repent and change your ways and change the way you think and get back up on the horse with God. Right? All right. <laughs> good thing it's a good thing candles are lit. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, let's go to First Peter. First Peter, verse five, uh, chapter five, verse five. First Peter, five, five. First um, <clears throat> Peter five five says, "Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble." Here comes the harder stuff, guys. 
Now that I've painted a picture for why we need community to, well, to some extent, or why it's important to God, we're going to get into some harder things. So the second part of this verse says that we all need to be submitted or subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Everyone be submitted to one another. What does submission look like? It doesn't, it doesn't mean you become another person's slave. Okay, Whoa. That's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> uh, it does not mean that you have the right to control or manipulate anyone around you because you need them to submit to you. All right, I've been in churches like that. It's not okay. That's not what I'm saying. What submission looks like... Um, it takes, it takes a lot of humility to embrace this idea of community, okay, and to embrace this idea of submitting to one another. Uh, the, thing about, the thing about humility and why it's so closely linked to this submission, submitting to one another is that uh, humility is what is needed to embrace community, whereas pride isolates. It pulls you away from who you're supposed to be around. Um, I would be willing to bet that the thoughts and ideas that the enemy plants in your head that cause you to extremely dislike and pull away from uh, the person in the room that you dislike the most are there because the enemy is trying to pull you away from probably the most important relationship you'll have within the group. Humility embraces where people are at. Pride rejects people and tries to change them through worldly means. Alright? So anytime we talk about um, accountability, it's always through a biblical standpoint. It's not through worldly stuff. Um, Pride rejects people where they're at. And tries to change them through worldly means. Uh, Humility holds people accountable to the word of God. Whereas pride brings in worldly perspectives. Um, The thing about humility and submitting to one another is that true unity only exists through diversity. And without diversity, all we have is conformity. But if we go to Romans 12.2, which we will and are. Because it is the word of God and that's all of our livelihood. Um, Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, God does not want you to conform to any one person's ideas or standards or interests or musical tastes or sports teams or uh, video games or tea tastings or wine tastings or coffee tastings or beer tastings. Beer tastings. Oh, I don't like alcohol in general. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> exactly, right? Um, <laughs> When the world looks at the idea of unity, and you see it right now on the political spectrum, 
Unity, by worldly means, looks like conformity. Mm. Everyone has to believe the same thing about every subject, no matter what. And if you don't, then you're immediately rejected. <coughs> right? Um, and it's not, it's not one side. It's both sides. Mm. Like, they're called wings for a reason. The left wing and the right wing. It's the same bird. They have the same ideals underneath everything else. Um, but God's standards say that diversity is what brings us together to create real unity. That we would be transformed into His image. And the thing about God is that He's infinite, which means there are an infinite possibilities linked to what your identity is and who He wants you to become. <coughs> when I was younger, I was in a metal band. It's how Matt and I actually met. God had called him away from this band to pursue school and golf, and it was a great, it was great. He's on the path of God. For me, I was brought in. Uh, to be his replacement, and um, we did a lot of things as a band. We released a full-length album, we toured up and down the East Coast all the time. It was really awesome, and then God told me to leave so that I could do stuff like this. All right. Now, through the ministry that I had in that band, uh, Noah happened. And if you guys know anything about Noah, um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, other things spawned Noah. Uh, that's not what I'm getting at. And, and uh, the only one that can take responsibility for Noah's life is Noah and God. I can't take responsibility for any of that. All I can say is that we've been together and anything that he has learned from me or anyone else, it was he who chose to take it in. Having said that, he's probably the disciple that I've had the longest, I think, out of anybody, or stuck around with me. And now he's in the music scene, and he's doing way more than Matt and I ever did. Okay? And the difference between between the three of us is that Noah feels called to be there and to stay there. See, God in His infinite possibilities in creating unique people and diverse people, He'll use things to bring us together, but just because we're brought together by that one thing doesn't mean that we stay there. Mm. Humility allows the Word of God to transform us, but pride allows the world to conform us. And when when we submit to one another... Um, we're able to reinforce who God has called each of us to be and help strengthen and encourage each other in what he's called us to do. Um, so now we're going we're gonna to talk about some, some benefits of submitting to a community. Excuse me, to submitting to a family that will help you grow closer to God and that will hopefully you'll grow closer with in general. Um, let's go to Proverbs 13, verse 20. Um, 
one of the other things that I really want to talk about, and you guys will understand this a little bit better um, when we get to that teaching, is the idea of covenant and what a covenant really is with people and what it is with God and what it entails. Uh, because I really feel like after laying this out and then laying out what a covenant is and what it isn't and how it pertains to us as believers and as a family, uh, you guys will really understand what I'm saying when, it, when, I'm, when, I, when I say this. Um, having said that, one of the biggest benefits of submitting to one another and being a part of a family is the strength that you gain from the one that you submit yourself to. Um, and that doesn't just mean that you submit to, like, one singular person all the time. No, I'm talking about, like, when we submit to one another, uh, I can learn to be a better singer and guitarist from submitting to Cameron. I gain strength in that area, okay? Um, if I wanted to learn more about uh, sports and golf in particular, I would want to submit myself to Matt. Um, that would be a big deal. Uh, if you guys ever want to learn anything about Superman in particular, you can submit yourself to me. I'll talk about that all day. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, that's, that's, it's a valid That's okay. You can go to John if you want. He'll probably talk more about Martian Manhunter, though. Um, <laughs> The thing about community is that strength comes from community. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Uh, in this one verse, it tells us what we're going to get by who we're hanging out with. Okay? Um, I would like to propose to you and this is going to come off really harsh at first. Uh, I would like to propose to you that sometimes your best isn't good enough. Mm. And that's why you need community and you need to be walking with people. Mm. Uh, sometimes your best isn't good enough. And because of this, you need the best of others in order to succeed. Um. When you separate from community, you rely solely on your best. But when you're deceived, your best isn't good enough. Okay? Um, Chris Volatin from Bethel Church out in Redding, California says it this way. The nature of deception is that you don't know that you are deceived. Yeah. And the only way to get out of that deception is to trust someone more than you trust yourself. The reason that you need to do this is so that when someone tells you about the area that you're being deceived in, you're able to accept it, even if it doesn't feel real. <coughs> but the reason why it doesn't feel real is because it's deception. Mm. That's the whole nature of deception. Yeah. Okay? Um, we'll get into that a little bit more later. But I want to continue on this idea of strength. Um, not only do you get the strength of those you're submitted to, but you also get their covering. 
okay? Um, as in, they're praying for you. They're with you till the end, right? <laughs> but their prayer covering only works to the degree that you allow yourself to be vulnerable and intimate mm-hmm. with those around you. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, if you go to your brother or sister who aren't going to judge you and they're willing to be there for you every step of the way and you say, brother, sister, I have an unspoken prayer request. Will you pray for me? You're not going to get what you need. Yeah. Because you're not being vulnerable. You're not being intimate. And the Bible says to make your requests known to God. Yeah. And if your requests are meant to be known to God then it's, and you have someone praying for you, they need to know what your request is too. It cannot be unspoken because there's no vulnerability. There's no intimacy there. There's no growth between you and the other person. And because of that, they can't adequately pray for you and cover you in this situation. And you're not called to just be covered by your leaders. Yeah. Like, you can come and talk to me or Kate or Savannah or Matt or Annie or Cameron all you want. But the fact of the matter is, if you aren't getting in with more people, whether it's through the the girls' fellowship or the guys' fellowship, you're missing out on so many other people that will be there for you through your ins and outs, be willing to encourage you and help you grow and cover you so that your prayer needs get met. You guys still with me? Yes. Yes. Ah, good. Okay. Let's go to uh, James chapter 4, verse 6. In fact, uh, Nina, I know how much you love James. You want to read that for me? Yes, because James is Chapter 4, verse 6. You'll like this point then, Nina, if you like if, if you like the, the pimp hand. I do. He does, man. It's like a theological pimp hand. Snap, get your life together. All right. Nina, you got it? James chapter 4, verse 6? Chapter 4, verse 6. Okay. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. But gives grace to the humble. See, that's not hard. Oh, get ready. Oh, we want more? Nope. I'm about to bring up a point. Um, Remember how we were talking earlier that humility is found in community and that's how you submit to one another? Yes. All right. So James 4, 6 says that God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. (laughs) You guys ever been in a situation... Where it feels like you're hitting every single roadblock you can. Mm. And you keep rebuking the devil and it feels like nothing's happening. Mm. It's customer service. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Here's the thing. Uh, Community and family is the place that you find grace. Grace in the New Testament, according to the Strong's Concordance, is not defined as unmerited favor. 
like it is in the Old Testament. It is defined as God's divine empowerment upon the human heart and the reflection of it in your life. Which means any time in the New Testament where it says God gives grace, it's not saying God gives favor. It's saying God gives you a divine empowerment to overcome. Okay? So, here's the thing. You find the grace to grow in who you are in Christ and in what your destiny is in the Lord when you're in community. But, and this is a huge but, uh, sometimes... When we partner with pride, God resists us. Mm. Sometimes when we partner with pride, God resists us. <laughs> Don't make it a question, say it again. Uh, sometimes <laughs> when we partner with pride, God resists us. Um, we'll work on it, y'all. We'll here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. Remember that thing I said earlier where it's like, oh, I keep rebuking the enemy and nothing's changing? Uh, let's, let's make one thing clear. Okay? Sometimes it's the enemy that's attacking us, and that's why we're hitting roadblocks. Sometimes it's not. Mm. What did this verse just say? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another verse, and I can't remember where it's at at the moment, but it says that God's hand comes against the proud. That's my paraphrase. Don't quote me on it. All of the Old Testament? Yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) Scripture is clear. God hates pride, and His hand will come upon you to humble you if you're proud. If you will not humble yourself, He will humble you in some way, shape, or form. And it's going to hurt. <laughs> Here's the thing. God's hand is the wall that you will never be able to break through or climb over to get where you want to go. And if you're proud and you keep resisting Him because you won't be humble. His hand's just going to sit there so that you can't get to where you want to go or feel like you need to go. You just won't. Okay? Ooh, my hand's shaking. Um, (laughs) But the beauty of humility is that if you are humble, He doesn't just move His hand, but He uses it to pick you up and exalt you and make everything easy. And I love that. He exalts the humble. Like, he brags about the humble. The humble get their way. <laughs> because ultimately it's God's way. <laughs> but they still get it, nonetheless. But this type of humility that we're talking about right now is only found in the context of family, in the context of community. When I am in community, grace is flowing. And when I leave community, grace oftentimes becomes hard to find. Um, I'm not going to name names, 
But there have been several people who have come to us as a leadership team who have been like, look, I can't pay my bill. If they were alone, they wouldn't have paid their bill. And if they had been prideful enough to not mention their need, to not make their need known, they probably would have lost a car or something. But the fact of the matter is they came to us in confidence and said, I can't pay this bill and I need help. Mm. And usually when they come to us, for some reason, it's almost only ever Matt and I. (laughs) And we always look at each other and we just, for some reason, always have this idea to go halvesies. And we just go halvesies Mm. and we help people pay for things. We've helped people pay for car insurance. We've helped people pay for car repair. We've helped people pay for their rent and electricity a couple times. Bus tickets. Bus tickets. um, Because we love people and humility matters and God just loves people. Yeah. But you would never see that if you were alone and being prideful. Um, let's go to Proverbs again. <clears throat> Proverbs. I've got three verses. Who wants to read for me? Who said that? Kate. Kate, go to Proverbs 11, verse 14. Ariel, you got one for me? Go to Proverbs fifteen twenty two, and Corinne, will you go to Proverbs twenty four verse six? Okay, go ahead. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Cool. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 6. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Um, King James says... That in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And where there is safety, there is victory. Um, But the thing about community, the thing about family, is that when you're in community, there is is safety. There is a sense of safety. Um, You feel safe enough to be yourself. You feel safe enough to grow. um, And you feel safe enough to allow people to call you out when you're being deceived. Um, But in every single one of these verses, the condition for safety is you have to be in the multitude of wise counselors. Uh, Which means you have to be in some sort of community. Um, Earlier, I I brought up this quote by Chris Fallatin about deception. You guys remember that? Do I I need to repeat it? Yes. Okay. Um, The nature of deception is that you don't know that you were deceived. And the only way to get out of that deception is to trust someone more than you trust yourself. The reason is that when someone tells you about your area of deception, 
it doesn't feel real. And that's why it's called deception. So the whole nature of, of deception is that you don't know you're being deceived, right? But when you're in the multitude of wise men, a multitude of counselors who can call you out, there's a sense of safety there because they bring you back so that you are safe, so that you're not deceived anymore. But it takes a lot of humility to trust others more than you trust yourself. Yeah. All right, And I'm not saying that you should never trust yourself <laughs> or that you should trust everyone all the time. That's not what I'm saying at all. Okay. I'm saying that in the realm of community and a family that you trust, you will sometimes have to trust them more than you trust your senses, more than you trust your theology, more than you trust your worldviews that you grew up in. You're going to have to trust them and trust that they hear from God in order to find your freedom. Does that make sense? Living outside of community is not a safe idea at all. Living life within a community is a safe idea. Here's the thing. If you mess up, if you fail, or you fall down outside of community, no one is there to help you up, which means sometimes you won't get up at all. Mm, How many people do we know mess up and they struggle with so much fear of failure that they... They just mudslide into self-pity and they just never want to try anything else ever again. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or they, they can't stop being angry because they won't let someone tell them that they're angry. They can't stop being bitter because they feel justified in their bitterness. Right? right? But when you're in community, when you're in a family, there will always be someone to help you get back up on the horse and keep kicking the devil in the pants. Right? <laughs> Let's go to uh, Acts 13. In the beginning. <laughs> Verse 1. <laughs> Verses 1 through 4, to be precise. There are words in here I can't pronounce. Does someone else want to read? (laughs) Go for it, Nina. Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menan, who who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to them, for to work which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Oh, Ooh. verse four. That's yeah. that was verse three, right? Okay, my yeah. Bible. My, my Bible just cut off because. Okay. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, and went they went down to Seleucia, and from there they went they they sailed to Cyprus. Okay. More often than not, you will find out your gifts and your callings within the concept, the idea, the people that you're in community and relationship with. Okay, um, Paul may have known when he got saved that he was going to be an apostle, 
But until he was around other apostles, the Holy Spirit did not call him out. He found his gifts and his calling when he humbled himself enough to be a part of a community. Right? Um, <laughs> the thing about community is that... I'll, I'll, I'll just read from my notes. Um, God called Paul and Barnabas, but it took the community of God to recognize the Holy Spirit's callings and then send them off. And one of the reasons why so many ministries fail is because they are the byproduct of being bastardized, either through an immature vessel's rebellion against authority and community, or through lack of discernment from community leaders. And oftentimes, an immature vessel doesn't understand the term from 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, uh, verse 4, love is first long-suffering or patient. It takes time being in a community, going through a maturing process patiently in order to produce any lasting fruit. And more often than not, leaders haven't discerned your giftings because you haven't been mature enough to be trusted with them. It's like giving a Swiss army knife to a three-year-old. It's a great tool to help you out and so men, help you out with so many binds that come with life. But as a three-year-old, you're, you're liable to do more harm than good. Yeah. So when you're in this context of community and as you're growing, your gifts grow with you. Yeah. They become more apparent. Mm-hmm. The people around you will call them out. Okay, But without that maturing process, your gifts will hurt you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because pride will come with them. Um, when I was younger and I started praying for people and prophesying and people getting healed and seeing miracles happen I thought I was the top dog and that whatever I said went because I would talk to other ministers specifically older ministers and see what their track records were as far as healing and things like that went and I think one or two people out of the like 10 to 15 that I talked to actually had a track record that was similar to mine and were, were producing as many healings and prophetic words and stuff like that as I was. Um, I talked to a lot of people, man. My spiritual dad would take me all kinds of places and I would meet all kinds of people. Um, and I would get so prideful because I had all, all these gifts that were just manifesting mm-hmm. everywhere. And it led to my downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just I didn't understand things mm-hmm. the way that I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a long time for me to let God rebuild me and to trust people again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, more than that, to trust myself because I was a three-year-old with a Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to play with every gift, every tool that was in that knife. Yep. And it ended up hurting me in the long run. Um, and I ended up cutting a lot of ties and relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And people that, you know, maybe 
could be good for me now. I, I don't know. Um, some of those people are not even Christians anymore, so I guess uh, that doesn't matter as much. But I could have been the person who helped keep them close to Jesus. And because I cut that relationship off because I thought I was high and mighty with this gift, I'll never know, you know? Um, and that's not like a guilt thing. That's not a shame thing. That's yeah. not a condemnation thing on my part. That's just that's just being real about yeah. what happened when I was younger yeah. and where I'm at now. Um, we... This... This point is is twofold. If you don't know what you want to do with your life or where you want to go, get in a community. Find out how you can serve and help people, and you will find out where God wants you. I promise. I promise you that. Um, on the other hand, if you're in community and your gifts are starting to manifest, be humble. Yeah. Talk to people. Talk to people who have matured in the things that you're maturing in. Talk to people who have fruit in their lives and make sure you're holding yourself accountable, man. Excuse me. The safest place that you can be is in a place of accountability. Um, okay, fine. I'll do it. Uh, especially when it comes to relationships with the opposite sex, with a significant other. Um, the areas in your life that you will not allow family to come into and hold you accountable in are areas of your life that are already idols. Mm. And those areas God can't work with because you won't let him. And you might say, well, yeah, I'll let God work with them, but I won't let anybody else see them. Here's the thing. Because Mickey Mouse is... What that sounds like. Um, you may not, you may be thinking that you are letting God see those areas and that no one else can get to them. <laughs> but you're not. But you're not. It's pride. It's not humility at all. And God set up this process in his word about discipleship. Go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. Teach them the things that I've taught you. That's what Jesus said. And if Jesus said that, then there is a principle there that he will not bypass. Mm -hmm. There are some things you will not learn from anyone but the community that you're in. Yeah. And you might say, well, if God really wanted me to learn it, then he would teach it to me. No, he gave you people right. to teach you. He gave you people who are able to encourage you and comfort you in your time of need because they've already been through it. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There are areas of your life that you're looking for breakthrough in and you're asking God, why I haven't gotten this breakthrough? And it's because you won't let anyone else into it to look at it, stare yeah. it straight in the face, take the light of Christ, shine it on this dark area so that yeah. you can get all those demons out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you do not open yourself up, to community so that you can be safe in those areas then those areas that you're guarding from community become strongholds of deception and not areas of safety for the Holy Spirit to dwell Yeah, that's good.
The good news is that you can repent of that. You can open yourself up. You can get back on the horse. And you can let people help you. So that God can help you. Um, so there, there are some blocks to healing. Or to healing. <laughs> to community. Uh, and... Some of these things are going to be future teachings. Um, I, I'm just going to throw it out there so that you guys kind of know uh, what to expect over the next couple. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Two and a half months or so. Um, uh, and and they're going to be all different topics, but one of the things that we want to help you guys learn... Uh, and that we want to learn how to do too as leaders. Like, don't we're we're not counting ourselves out because the, these things that I that I've taught on, they're not things that I'm perfect in. Um, you know, by any means, I I had to go into the other room during worship because I couldn't give my gift to God um, because there there is someone who has something against me right now, and I. I just want to live biblically, so I had to go into the other room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there are areas of my life that I haven't opened up um, yet to people that I'm still working through. God mm-hmm. revealed one to me when I was in worship tonight um, in the other room and just started showing me some stuff, and it was really yeah. good. Uh, you know, but I want to encourage you guys that no matter where you're at in your walk with, with the Lord, um, no matter where you're at in your relationship with dad, whether you want to call him father or dad or daddy or papa or abba or God because you're not comfortable with him being your dad yet, that's totally okay. There's time. Uh, in the New Testament, the word mercy is defined as the time allotted to people in order to repent and overcome. So in the New Testament, there's grace and mercy, right? That's the dispensation that we live in. And so there's divine empowerment to overcome. And then there's mercy. There's time to overcome, which is awesome. Um, But some of the things that we're going to be looking forward to over the next couple weeks are self-pity, accusation, bitterness and unforgiveness, honor. And what honor really is. And honor is a big one. We just, as a leadership team, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, we just recently went through this book called Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. And it's awesome. It's amazing. Um, a lot of people read the very beginning of it and they're like, oh, the fivefold ministry, pastor, apostle, uh, teacher, evangelist, prophet. This is amazing. I know. I now know uh, how important this book is and how these these gifts work together. That's really great, but the second half of the book is the best part of the book, and yeah. that's learning how to deal with people yeah. and learning how to deal with people's messes and learning how to clean up your own mess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things I want to encourage you guys in is feel free to make a mess. Make as many messes as you want, but only make a mess big enough that you're willing to clean up. If you're not willing to clean up the mess, then don't make it. 
no. don't project it onto other people. Right. Awkward. Um, another thing. Uh, is another block to community is misunderstanding covenant and what covenant means. Um, we've been called to be the body of Christ. We're in a covenant with Christ, right? Which means we're in a covenant with his body. We're his body. It says that those who try to take communion and don't rightly discern the body of Christ get sick, and that's twofold. The first part being the fact that He died for us so that we could be healed. And the second part being the way that we treat the rest of the body of Christ and our relationships with them. Um, Fear of man is another big one that we're going to be talking about. Uh, We've already kind of covered rejection a little bit, but fear of rejection is a big one and and a lack of vulnerability. Um, And what vulnerability really is. Because here's the thing. There's a big difference between vulnerability and transparency. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, we're being transparent when we think we're being vulnerable. Yeah. When we're transparent, we state facts about ourselves, and we 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 remain emotionally distant from those that we're around. But when we're transparent, we open ourselves up to feel and to be loved on, rather than just stating, "Oh, this is this is it. This is where I'm at." You reverse this. Did I say that? Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you. Dang it. Transparency is is stating facts. Mm -hmm. Just to state facts. And being emotionally distant from the people that you're around. Vulnerability, thank you Cameron, is when you're talking to people, when you're letting them know where you're at, you're opening yourself up emotionally uh, and spiritually to be loved on by those around you. (sighs) One more time. (laughs) Just because I got it right this time. Um, no, don't, no, no switch. No switch. <laughs> we're not going to, even as much as I love Will Smith, we're not going to play Will Smith right now. No switch. Um, oh my God. Bad jokes, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I love it. Um, Will Smith is one of my favorites. So, uh, But the difference between transparency and vulnerability is that when you're being transparent, all you're doing is stating facts about you and about your life. You remain emotionally distant and spiritually shut off from those around you. But when you're being vulnerable, you open yourself up, both emotionally and spiritually, to be loved on by those around you so that they can help build you back up to be the person in Christ that you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, Preach. Yes. Got it. So. <laughs> we can't sit next to each other. <laughs> So that's it. That's all I got. How do you? Oh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. How do you guys feel? Do you guys understand what we're trying to do and where yeah. we're going from now on? We feel pretty awful. No, I'm kidding. Please don't feel awful. I know this was kind of like uh, I touched on a lot of things, especially as far as the pride thing goes. Uh, I didn't say. I, I promise you, I, I didn't want to bring any of this up in order to call out anyone during a teaching or anything like that. I just want to show you guys where we're going, where we're headed. And if you still want to be a part of this, please stick around. Um, You can bring people if you want. That's totally fine. If you don't want to be a part of this, or you just are called to be in community somewhere else, that's okay. I'm not going to, we aren't going to freak out. We're not going to be like, you're a heathen and you're not really a Christian because you don't come here. Um, 
because I've been to churches that do that too. Um, and I've been to churches that... That's quest- called cult, by the way. Yes. Uh, I've been to churches that question your salvation when you don't show up uh, one or two weeks in a row. Um, That's my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> well... Are you done? Because I was, I was going to add something. No, um, no, this was actually a really great teaching. No, my mother has, I mean, she secretly, because I, I know her, is questioning, like, is my daughter really safe? She doesn't even go to church anymore. And I'm just, I have stepped back from the church as a whole because, like, there has been, in my life, a lot of church hurt. A lot, a lot. <laughs> Too much. It's a whole different sermon. Um, and, you know, it, but in the back of my I always thought, oh, I could live out my life, my Christian life, by myself. But it's like, if you're the body, if you're part of the body, and the body doesn't have you, then the body's not whole. So the body's crippled without you, and you know where you're supposed to be. And if you're um, crippled, huh? I said we just a cripple. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, if you're not, if you're not. I, think what was, I was reading somewhere where we were talking about the wholeness of the temple and the temple being whole and and just the beauty that comes out of that. And so I was like, well, Lord, it's been a lot of church hurt. And, you know, in this environment where we are as a nation, I don't know if I can go back in because I don't feel like the onus should be on me to go back into a realm where people will um, have certain attitudes about certain people or... Think of diversity as just a liberal point of view, when clearly, as you pointed out, it's really not. It's absolutely not. It's an absolute um, necessity. Um, there's a pastor that did a really great talk um, at the MLK uh, 50th anniversary. It wasn't Skip Heisick, it was somebody else who talked about um, pastors and how they can speak out about diversity in the church. I'll send it to you. It's really great. It's only 30 minutes long. Um, was it Matt Chandler? Yes. Again? Okay. Yeah. Wait, didn't you already send me that one, or is this a different one? I think no. I think it was the same one. Okay. <laughs> Such a good teaching. It Such was. It was great. <laughs> it was. No. It was yeah, like it was, real talk. It was like, which is like weird because typically when Matt Chandler talks, I'm like, man, I can't get over how much Calvinism is in this. But, <laughs> uh, but if there was a sermon for you to listen to, but that one was so that good. Was that was one. so good. Like <laughs> that was the one. And that's that's not like a like I might disagree with. The five points of Calvinism, but that—that's that, not a knock. Like I'm not saying that I don't want to fellowship with Calvinists too. Like, right. Right. yeah, like, I, I still love them. I have a couple Calvinist friends that right. I talk to a bunch. So, and, and then on the on the topic of like submission, I was reading, um, I was reading a devotion the other day that talked about submission, and um, actually, I know you don't like the ESV, but I like the ESV version of this particular scripture. So that's fine. You're gonna deal with it. There's. There's some versions that translate scriptures a little bit better than the King James. I just um, like the King James because it lines up with the strongest concordance. But this basically no. <laughs> talks about like like Sarah and how she she submitted to Abraham and she's like and this is particularly for women, she's like, for this is how whole and well this is this is first Peter two verse three? First four and four or no five and six. Yeah. Something like that. First Peter three. It's in first Peter. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adore themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So, I'm single. Super single. Uh, I won't be calling my husband Lord. 
that just will not be happening. But I think the idea and the, the act of, it won't happen, um, like she obeyed him and submitted to him, and there's a lot to probably unpack from that, but she was able to not be scared or go into life unafraid of every, anything because she was under proper submission. And as single women, or married women, I mean, you could probably talk this man, but as, as, as single women, it's like, how do we, if we're okay with submitting ourselves under the leadership of God, then it's going to be nothing for us to be under the leadership of someone who is also under God, yeah. because we won't be scared of, of anything. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. That's good. Cool, cool. Um, are there any questions, comments, or concerns before I pray us out? Emotional um, eruption. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 Woe to those who take offense. That's what Jesus said. So I'm just going to pray. Here we go. Um, <laughs> uh, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for, even though that some of this was a tough subject to, or there were there were tough things in this to look at, I thank you that uh, the fruit of the Spirit consists of joy, not depression, um, and that you've called, called us to have a single mind and a single heart, and so we just come before you right now in singleness in the name of Jesus. Uh, I thank you for making us one. Um, I thank you that you're going to continue to bring us closer together. I thank you for the people who uh, are going to stick around and be a part of like our nuclear family. And I thank you for the people who might leave and go join another nuclear family, that we're still called to be one. We're still called to be family in Christ. And um, you know, I just pray that you would continue to bring us all together, that you would keep bringing us together, that we would have fellowship with with more and more believers and more and more churches and more and more families. Um, and more than anything, I just pray that you would show us where we've been proud mm. so that we can be humble. Yeah. Um, so that we aren't trying, aren't hitting our heads against your resistance <laughs> all the time. Um, and so that, you know, we can find out what it means to be exalted by you and, and to really be loved by you and loved by other people. I pray that you would show us the areas of our lives that we've made idols um, <clears throat> so we can open ourselves up to people and allow people to love us. And, you know, I thank you for uh, just where we're going to go and what we're going to do and where we're going to be and um, just where we're going. And we thank you. Um, and we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.